Hey friends, thanks for joining me, Jim Baroud, to hear a few insights from leaders who represent our innovation ecosystem. Today's chat is with Atul Prasher, founder of Sava360 Ventures and Results Venture, and Angela Fisher, founder and CEO of Newfluence. Let's get started. Angela Fisher, thanks for joining us. Kick us off here with an intro. Sure. And thank you, Jim, for having me. And I'm super excited uh, for this conversation with you and Atul. So my name is Angela Fisher, and I'm the founder of Newfluence. We are um, an end-to-end inclusive micro-influencer marketplace that provides the tools to help brands and startups access and resonate authentically with their you know, broad customer base. And so we do that through collaborations with the largest community of micro level creators. Um, and my ba- as far as my background is concerned, I, am, I have 10 plus years of experience building and launching influencer driven brands for MTV, VH1, uh, helped, I have served on the launch team that, uh, for a new network that's now called BET Her, where I was the head of uh, talent or influencer relations. So my entire career has revolved around uh, influencers, creators at the emerging to the celebrity level. And, um, you know, I've worked with brands ranging from McDonald's to the creator platform, uh, Patreon. Wonderful. That, that's, that's a great background. Okay, Atul, go ahead. Love it. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you. Wonderful to meet you as well, Angela. And James, always good to see you. Uh, my name is Athul Prasher. I've been, my career has been around tech. I was in the music industry then, and then now I'm in ventures. So we invest in companies and that's kind of the aggregation of all of it. Uh, I'm blessed to uh, delve into projects. We invest in tech plays and entertainment, media, and sports uh, across the board. We have some kind of equity things we like to give support initiatives in that space as well. But I run Sava 360 Ventures, one of our portfolio companies under the KMH group umbrella. And we go deep in this tech space. A lot of the sports leagues, a lot of celebs as well that we kind of work with and um, excited, excited for what's coming. There's a lot of opportunity ahead of us and it's going to be really fun. Wonderful. Thanks. That's why, that's why I'm really pleased that we could have both of you because you come from a, a certain perspective and investing perspective and and Angela's come from the marketing and, and branding and, and, and creator uh, influencer marketing uh, perspective. So let, let's talk about what you're seeing. You guys, again, have been in your industries for, for a few years now. Um, and, um, you know, entertainment, media, influencers, uh, everything's blowing up right now, right? It's just an amazing time uh, on all the platforms particularly. So let's see, let, uh, let's start with, Angela, talk to us about what, how you've seen sort of your space over the past 10 years or so grow. Yeah, so it's really interesting because again, I was in television. So, uh, you know, working at the networks and our, you know, influencers at the time uh, were solely artists um, and celebrities. And so we've watched this entire paradigm shift happen where that has brought it out to social media celebrities now. I call them celebrities because they have, you know, rabid fans just like, you know, uh, the traditional celebrities do. And so what's really interesting about this term of, of creator, influencer, and celebrity is that there's no barriers to entry anymore in the space, right? So to be a, to be 
on Beyonce's level, there's like barriers to entry, for example, but to be Lily Singh, there aren't, right? You know, Lily Singh started out as a uh, YouTube creator. And so that is one of the big shifts. But with that, what I, what I have seen, there's many more creators in, in the universe, right? So mm -hmm. there's so many, you can't keep track where entertainment seems to be a little bit more finite. So this is the reason why we're seeing an influx of platforms, um, platforms to help brands, uh, you know, just kind of collate all of this, right? You know, brands are brands and startups. They're understanding that influencer marketing in general is is a great way to resonate authentically with their audiences. And so, there's so many out there. Like, how do you find them? How do you aggregate them? How do you activate them? So that's one end. But then, in recent years, the importance of and I'm using it interchangeably, so I apologize. So creators, the creator economy where creators are making money for themselves. So years ago, it was just, hey, post, post this you know, uh, piece of content and we'll pay you. Well, now you, you can monetize your own audience. And I think you know, this is what has jettisoned the creator market to what, $100 billion? Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's massive, but this is increasingly more important uh, uh, for you know, creators in this space to be able to run their own businesses, um, make money um, in various ways, have, have various opportunities to make money. That's great. And while you're there, you mentioned Lily Singh. Tell us just for those people who have not known her, what was, tell about her rise just a little bit. Hilarious. She's hilarious. Go ahead. You do it, Angela. <laughs> she, I mean, she started like as a YouTube content creator. She does a lot of funny skits and, and um, you know, videos and just, you know, she had become increasingly popular and, you know, was getting brand deals and has been able to do something that not many creators have done is transition to TV, which I think is ironic, by the way. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Taking the new medium and going to the old, yeah. Given where linear TV is at right now, but, um, you know, so at least they're streaming. Uh, but yeah, so she's just, you know, she's just had this meteoric rise. And so now she supports her, uh, you know, I've seen her content actually feeds into her show and she's just kind of creating created this powerhouse not only that she gives you know she gives back she's girl love mm -hmm. right so it's cultivating you know the next generation of women you know entrepreneurs whether you're a creator or a small business owner so you know if you check her out late night on nbc <laughs> yeah that show's still that show's still on uh that's great i didn't know that it's, it's uh, coming yeah and i'll, I'll jump I'll, I'll jump in there because she's south asian right and she and i'm south asian so the reason she resonated is she was she would take our ridiculously we had ridiculous childhoods i'm just gonna i'm just gonna put it there right i did a whole pot on this last week and like our parents would come by i'm just washing i'm like washing one cup do 15 calculus problems what the hell so like you're like okay that's the kind of stuff that was in our ingrained in us you're learning so she would joke about that and it resonated with a first people from our culture because a lot of those folks in canada where she's from and then everyone else is like okay oh this is i like this kind of it's we can all relate to this our parents ex expected a lot of us and they pushed us and then there's some funny stuff here and she'd play all the characters so that's why she resonated um i'll jump into so yeah thank you for bringing that up I, she's i'm a big fan of hers um i look at 
okay, so you, you brought it up. So think, let's think about this from the entertainment perspective and everything's entertainment at the end of the day. It seems like tech and entertainment is driving everything. So think about this kind of fact. And I'm thinking it's probably at least five years, if, not, if 10 years, probably even the last five years, all the content and information that's ever been created is far, far, the volume, the volume is far superior than the, all the content that was ever created for the thousands of years before that, because of all the platforms that you just mentioned, Angela, right? And just think of all the new platforms that we're creating, this last 10 years is going to be a, you know, a little, a little siloed section of what's going to be created moving forward. Because now we're talking about digital real world, digital worlds as well, and I'm layered in with our physical world. And as that, and I'm embracing it, I, I shunned it 2017 and now I get it. I'm on board. Thank you. Uh, everyone is pushing me in that direction and I've, I'm all about it. So we can go, let's stay in entertainment for a moment. Um, what's, we, we really wanted to focus on, hey, let's create content for people that look like us. And okay, and then, cause now we see a shift in the model as well. So Netflix changed that. And it's not just about the streaming thing. Now you had the Shonda Rhimes who killed it on ABC, right? Uh, she killed with her amazing show after show, I think Grey's Anatomy, then um, Scandal, which my wife and I just love that show, Scandal. Uh, and then all those kind of shows, she was paid her money for that. Netflix came and gave her a hundred million dollar bag, just to check and say, okay, now, but they own the content for everything that you know, Shonda Rhimes creates on that, on that platform in perpetuity. Just think that, what was the show, Bridgerton? I mean, that's the first show that came out of her. That show alone is probably worth 100 mil. So Netflix completely shifted the models. What they're doing in a lot, I think Disney and Comcast, Viacom, they're all following suit. We could just give big chunks of money up front to some folks who we can bet on. Let's not take those random bets. Let's take big bets on a couple individuals and then roll out and we can own that. Because Netflix, so you can see any of their original shows, they've created little commercial break areas that whenever they license it back, which I think they will as a mo model at some point, license it back maybe to airlines that may start that or other leg traditional legacy channels. That might be a thing they do as another revenue stream because they do have to diversify. They're now getting to merchandising because uh, Disney has the true you know, flywheel effect where you make a Marvel character and then you can have a ride, you can have the movie, you can have all that the merchandising. Netflix is now starting to get into merchandising. So entertainment's fascinating um, and get in where you fit in. <laughs> I'd like to tag on to that because I think what you said is very interesting um, from a content creation standpoint. And even what you said, going back to Lily's thing, right? So the content that's being created now is diverse, right? It's more diverse. It's telling more stories. It's it's creating that window to understanding to other cultures. And so we see that in, you know, um, Shonda Rhimes, I think she's one of the trailblazers in it because mm -hmm. we could see ourselves, no matter what our background, in roles as doctors or, you know, in, in loving relationships, whatever it is, right? Um, but we also see it in like, you know, um, squid game right or like yeah. other types of probably you know that's a little you know intense but like you know we, we see these stories being told and, and there is a story being told in that particular film but um you know that's that's what i find that's really interesting about the shift in in entertainment because creators it's not only Shonda, Shonda Rhyme, but these types of content creators are able to get their their content greenlit and yeah globally yeah, I love it. There's a global play for everything now, which is great. You have to think that way. May I say, may I say one more thing? So think about it. So we, from, from America, we have this centric view that, and, and, and I do too. I'm, I'm born and raised here, so I love it. I'm from Chicago area. I live in the New York City area now, and now New York. You know, we know the story where I moved to recently. <laughs> but we have this view here, and there, 
think globally because as of and I've I've said this numerous times now in the last week it seems by 2030 the largest consumption drivers of consumption will be China. It's been us because we're a consumption economy here in the U.S. right and that's everything. So think entertainment falls right in line with that. By 2030, less than 10 years, it'll be China. By 2045, it'll be India. So within 10 years, less than 10 years, it will be, it'll be the first time ever in decades that the Western cultures, the Western hemisphere are not driving consumption and pushing content out. So it's gonna be a truly global play. So if you're aligning yourself as a global brand and want global access, um, think along those lines as well. And I think we also have to, sorry, I, there, there's a lot of questioning, but I love, I love having this conversation. So you can ask on there. I was like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but, you know, to your point about um, the globalization of content, it's also the globalization and diversification of consumers. And so that's what we're really talking yep. about here. And so yep. when we're looking at, you know, I'll, I'll keep it you know, U.S. based um, right now, but it, you know, even in the U.S., we're looking at a consumer base that is, you know, is changing. It's yeah. um, it's evolving, and so everything is going to start tying into that more. Or brand startups, you know, uh, networks, streaming services. You know, I, that's why I think to your point, Netflix is is uh, ahead of the game on this because we are becoming truly interconnected. And we're yeah. learning, one of the things I love is that we're learning about <clears throat> you know, different cultures and that serves from a marketing standpoint as a benefit to building long-term customer loyalty and market share. Well, and that's a great point. And also I just want to mention, we, we mentioned some high headliners like Lily Singh and, and others, but there's micro-influencers that have mm -hmm. these niche audiences, right? That really make up the larger majority of, of influencers. Can you speak, I mean, just for folks, for me and for folks who aren't aware of, of that segment of the market, can you speak to that, Angela? Sure. Uh, so when we're looking at the spectrum of, of influence, so to speak, uh, and how we're categorizing according to follower base, there are multiple categories. And so what's really interesting about influencer marketing, it's still so new, relatively speaking, that there's no set standard <laughs> for follower account attributed to category. So that being said, we have nano and micro. So depending where Newfluence stands for us, it's 1,000 up to about 200, 250,000 followers. So creators um, in that space. That's, uh, that's nano or that's nano or micro? Micro. So it's, it's okay. the combination. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so depending on who you talk to, it's one, you know, one to, you know, one to about 10k for nano and then you know 10k to two 200 for for micro i kind of i i i put them a little bit you know in the same group because when we're looking in that in that particular arena they're closer to their audience that have smaller follower counts so they have that higher level of engagement up to like at least three times higher and not only that conversion rates um are much higher than looking at the higher level so we're, you know, celebrity, with the exception of Kim Kardashian, <laughs> the Kardashian family, we just got to extract them because they're huge outliers, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, at the celebrity level, it could be, they, there could be, uh, you know, celebrity millions of followers, but have a smaller impact. Right, the the audience doesn't have as strong as a, a connection to convert, but loves to watch them. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we go to the macro level, 
which I think to me, I think Lily Singh, going back to that example, bridges the gap, right? Um, in, in macro and celebrity, but it's um, anywhere, again, this changes like, uh, like up like 1 million to like 5 million um, followers. And then depending on who you talk to, there's a mid-level somewhere in between the 200 and, and 1 million range. So mid is, is also an interesting, mid-level is also an interesting dynamic because they're not getting 1% engagement like the, you know, celebrity or uh, level, but they're not necessarily getting 3X, right? Mm -hmm. So could be, you know, interesting for some brands to activate on. It all depends on what your goals are. And when you say, that's really interesting though that uh, those, those influencers are three times the conversion. So when you say convert, Explain that for folks who aren't familiar with the industry. Yeah, so anytime you're activating an influencer marketing campaign or any type of campaign, you have um, certain goals that you sign. What, like, what's your mission? Do you want brand awareness? Do you want more website clicks? Do you want sales, downloads, whatever it is? So um, conversions in this sense is an actual action taken. Right, so they are downloading, they are buying. Um, that is conversions in in this sense. Got it. Versus traffic, where you know they're going to a site, you're getting you know views. This is actual, you know, it's the next step from that. Right, and that's good to know because a lot of people might have small networks, but they're really engaged, and therefore that conversion rates could be higher. So. I mean, there could be influencers with small groups, not Kardashian level, and, and still make a living, right? Or make, you know, some, some good revenue, correct? Yeah, I mean, even with my under 1,000 followers. <laughs> got it, well, got yeah, it. Go to my site. Uh, is, yeah, I mean, is it platform agnostic? Is it pl so if you have 1,000 on Instagram, is that worth more? Is that more valuable than 1,000 on TikTok or Facebook or whatever? It's a great question. So with TikTok, it, it's more, the, the irony is TikTok, the higher number of followers you have, the more, the higher the engagement. So it does, yeah. does um, range per platform. Yeah. However, um, you know, the conversions and in terms of um, ways to activate creators, influencers, uh, in my opinion, Facebook, Instagram, uh, are still the leaders and that yeah. you know, the research shows that as well. Um, and I think part of it is because of the way you user-generated content, the way brands can apply user-generated content um, to uh, their, their campaigns, as well as activate the influencers. I agree. And as TikTok, you know, it starts integrating more marketing and advertising, their algorithms are out of this world. It's beyond what we have here. You, we, we led the last 12 and 12 years, right? And the U.S. has and Mark Zuckerberg and all these folks. But uh, that tech is amazing. <laughs> I, I like, I, oh, I like this too. Okay. Yeah, you're right. I do. <laughs> and it's addictive, right? You go down the rabbit hole. I, I think, mm -hmm. you know, between TikTok and Reels. <laughs> yeah. You I'm going to pull it off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, there's, there's the ability to convert on, on obviously like there's huge, you know, um, the 
there's the ability to convert in a in a large way on on TikTok. You know, things that have gone fry, viral. I think it's like the hot fried chicken, Kentucky fried hot fried chicken that sold yeah. out. You know, <laughs> like just yep, yep. people doing you know TikTok videos of crunching on that, and you know. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, let me let me dive into. You mentioned reels there, and I heard a podcast recently about shorts on YouTube. Uh, do you see migration from TikTok into these other platforms, which which are offering similar uh, types of scrolling video formats? Oh, sure. So I don't, I don't see migration. I see addition, right? Um, when you look at even going to uh, an influencer marketing platform, there are. Uh, creators with that are on multiple platforms and it's all about what is working well for you right so I to me what I see is okay you know if it's a way to increase their audience and potentially make money then it's on the table Um, what works best for them and what their capacity is right because when we're talking at a micro level it's kind of your one your one man show in some cases, and then at other levels you may have help. So I think that you know the curiosity around platforms um, will will still still be there, and it's just a matter of show and proof. Got it. Let's talk about funding, um, Atul. You obviously okay. have your eyes on so many. I mean, funding. Let's just talk about funding of creators and, and influencers. That's one. Right. But you're doing uh, other stuff in media, entertainment, blockchain, crypto, yada, yada, yada. Talk talk to us first about how you're, you know, viewing this influencer creator market. And then let's get into other things around entertainment and media. I think it's phenomenal. Right. So there's a so as of last year, we saw I don't need to go through it all. We all know what happened. There's an influx of capital. Right. Capital is cheap. Uh, we are now in inflationary period. I'm not going to go down that deep dive. That's nerdy. Uh, so, and, and that, that turns me off too. <laughs> Inflation, um, but it's happening, right? And now that you have a bunch, now that we opened up our borders to everyone can travel here, things are, there's going to be a higher demand on less supply. So just expect to that that to happen now. But what what's happened is, uh, tell me if I'm going to answer your question because I'm going to go in deep, uh, so many different directions here. Tremendous amount of capital is poured into this space. So higher valuations were put on things. I mean, I don't know if I'm not going to say particular pick out particular companies, but they probably didn't deserve those valuations, right? But there was this kind of us in our space, we have this kind of, hey, fear of missing out mentality. It's true. Hey, if that if that's what's going and if the, everyone's jumping on that, boy, we need to know. There's a ton of money being poured towards AI, ton of more, you know, AI. Tech is now in everything. Before, you know, they were tech enabled. Now it's tech first and then it's healthcare. It's te- and that's what's going to be the future, right? So, Anyone that looks at these top ten, these top tech stocks that have performed extremely well the last 15 years, I think their moats are pretty st- solid for the next 15, 20 years as well. I know inflation usually hits on tech, but just think about how many things t- tentacles tech is really getting into, and it's industry agnostics hitting it. Now, with the influx in capital, I do a lot of ideas are getting funded. So I would think like things like crypto and blockchain, that's like VC in real time. So let's look at in our space, it's usually eight to 10 year horizon. You're in a company, you're, you're running a fund and you're with a particular company in that fund, several companies, but five to seven years, you're trying to help them get traction, scale, boom, get it out, get it out into the market and find its, find its home and its customer based blockchain side. Okay. We, we, that's our, our, our incubation period is five to seven years. You jump over into 
this crypto space, you're learning in, re in real time. So there's a ton of, because it's a global play, ton of money being poured in. So things are working and breaking immediately. You find out, you pivot, you figure it out. And that's, it, that's what's fascinating about the space. But then with that, there's a tremendous amount of volatility, uh, which we all want to play in. We're, we're just suckers for it. You know, <laughs> we're, we're, I'm really interested in the space just because there are some extremely innovative products coming out of it. And I love it. So it's teeing up. And, and let's take this further back. So millennials were shellacked in the equity markets. Let's just say that. They, they saw 2008. They saw 2017, the crypto crash. They saw what happened last year. Like, I can't make money here. The generation after them, Gen X, is saying, well, we're not like you and the boomers and all that of the world. We don't have to wait five, seven years to see, see our, our the true valuation in a stock I trade in or an asset. I'm going to get in and get out in three, four days and months, and we're going to get our, our value. That's their mindset. In many ways, it's worked for them. Many ways, it hasn't. So I just hope a lot of these folks, you know, as they come in, it's brought in a lot of new investors into the play. So a lot of a lot of volatility. But I do hope, you know, I think hopefully long term they learn their lumps. I've lost a lot of money in the market. I've net positive, so that's been good. Uh, I hope they all do as well, right? So that's what's happening here. So there's convergence of ideas, and everything is wide open. The barriers to entry, Angel alluded to this earlier, and the marketing influence space are lower as they are. Tech has lowered the barrier for everyone. Now you have folks like Axie Infinity in the Philippines came out of there where people can just sit home and play video games all day and earn coins in there. They can then cash out for real money in real life. We would hope that would bring some sort of socioeconomic equity and it, and it will, but then to enter into the game, you have to own three or four tokens, I believe, which are three, $400, it's about $1,500, $1,500 to get in. So what's happening is People who have that kind of money are buying those and then kind of like a taxi medallion, they're letting other people use them and they split the profits 50-50. So you're still going to have, it's not really, you know, yes, the floor may be rising as far as people not, you know, the income levels, but then there's still going to be the parity. So that's the thing we have to solve. But I think crypto generally could solve a lot of that. Let me yeah. get out of my nerdy dive. You, you, you got us. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> Sorry, I keep going. <laughs> what's interesting is, you know, there's people that span everything you've just spoken about, right? Uh, crypto influencers who are entertaining, right? You've just covered all those bases and I'm sure they're, you know, having great sort of followings and are monetizing their followings, right? Angela, are you seeing that uh, in, in your circles? Yeah, but what's really interesting is that, you know, a lot of the money right now is still being derived from brand deals. So um, it's it will probably equal out, but brand deals are, are still, you know, number one. Um, and one other thing, I, if you don't mind, I, I would like to speak to the funding aspect. I'm not an investor at all. I'm on the other side, <laughs> which is I would be remiss in saying, um, you know, just my perspective on things. I think, you know, what's really interesting, what I've just seen in terms of marrying the idea of like um, this creators and crypto, for example, there's a, a new platform, I don't know how new they are, but after party that is actually um, uh, using crypto coins. So allowing creators to use crypto coins to access certain experiences. And so I find that that's, um, that's really interesting. And maybe that could be, you know, um, uh, uh, a vertical that grows uh, within the funding sphere mm -hmm. as it as it marries the two industries, and then there's always um, again I just like to say one thing that is growing but would love to see more growth around is funding of women, 
led um, founded startups, women of color, especially, you know, um, like 0.344% of black female founded startups were funded this year, which is, there's a growth in that, but it is still only a small fraction of, um, of funding in general. And so that's across industries. There's a lot of, much like yeah. we're talking about diversifying the C-suite to get different ideas and different perspectives. We need to also just take in consideration diversifying the founders that we fund to get new ideas, new innovations, things that maybe others aren't thinking about into the marketplace. Absolutely. I'm going to tie something together, what you just said. There's a lot of female-run funds that are just absolutely killing it and crushing it, but there need to be more, many more, right? Uh, and, and then males need to, and actually, unfortunately, the numbers were trending in the right direction. Then as of last year, they kind of dipped a bit because they go back to their safe bases. Uh, so that you're completely on point. May I bring, I'm going to bring both Angela and my world together. So I'm thinking, so you've heard of these NFT board ape yacht club drops, right? And you brought up Kim Kardashian. So Kim Kardashian, she's, she's just, her thing is she's a, an amazing brand, personal and then as a commercial brand, right? Uh, and everything else. I agree with you 100%, 125% that brands matter as a person and as a, as a company. Now, I would take someone, let's take who's in the, in the passenger seat of Kim Kardashian's car apparently these days is Pete Davidson. Right. Um, for some reason, he's getting to date all these beautiful women. I don't get it, but some people do. Uh, and he's dating Kim Kardashian now, apparently, allegedly. Um, so why not do and I've, I'm going to put this out there for someone else to take this idea because I tried to do it. And because he's really hot with the Gen Xers, I guess they're on board. So maybe that's what Kim Kardashian said to stay relevant with that group. I should hang out with this guy for a little bit. OK, why wouldn't someone do a board ape type yacht club a drop with his face? <laughs> right? You've got a brand that everyone recognizes and it's just hilarious. And his face is perfect for those. If you don't, if you don't know board ape, they're board apes and just wearing different clothes or accessories and, all, and they're hilarious. And there's 10,000 of them. And some of them gone for like, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. CryptoPunks, which was the initial ones, went for million. They're going for millions now. Why wouldn't you do that? And I think that's a, you know, NFTs are a, they're bringing culture into crypto and the whole metaverse space. Uh, we were just talking about finance and tech and the rails before, and then the resources to play. Now you're bringing culture. Now you're bringing Latin, African-American, uh, Bollywood culture, Asian cultures are gonna play in this space and they get to be represented in the metaverse in any capacity they want, right? So there's gonna be a phenomenal opportunity here. And I, I'm hoping that this is a prime opportunity. So let's get the, let's get the racial gender equity situations right in the metaverse, and then it can parlay back into the physical world as well. I think this is a prime opportunity to do it. Yeah, we should definitely get it right in the physical world first, and then we can go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was trending in the right direction, unfortunately, last year, yeah. Yeah, but you know, there I still see female. I mean, like you said, there are female-founded startups, for example, that are killing it. I'm seeing more. Um, you know, black female, Latinx female founded startups uh, getting funded. And, and I just think that's great. But I, you know, I do agree that NFTs open up opportunities for those of, of different cultures. And I think they're also, you know, um, I, perhaps like that understanding and access in, in communities that are, or with creators that may not know or may not be as aware um, would be, equally as important in, in 
building that culture. Yeah, I, I'm going to agree with that 100%. It's, there's some progress, but there's so much more that needs to be done. And I used to run an entrepreneurship mm. center. So I know all the studies show women entrepreneurs are, you know, are really so much more resourceful and have a better chance of success. They just need to get the funding. I, I just say that, you know, we have ideas and, and, you know, there's like the way we improve as a culture or as a society is to allow those ideas to surface and not that people aren't doing it. It's just that we just need to do it. Um, yeah. No, yeah. absolutely. And it has to be done in real life. I mean, the metaverse and NFTs are, are great and they're great vehicles, right. As, as, the tool said, and I'm seeing it, you know, the diversity is, is, is incredible. Um, it's just, it needs to, it needs to come home, right? In real life. Yes, um, absolutely. For equity to happen, you know? We try to put like, I think there's two initiatives we support, gender equity and, and sustainability issues. We try to put like four to 6% of, and personally and through group and, and towards those initiatives. And it, it's a problem everywhere here, big time, then globally as well. Obviously we know this. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, let's talk about that. I mean, I know you're both involved in, in uh, organizations that help to increase diversity. Um, what are you seeing? Uh, let's start with you, Atul. I know you're involved with an organization um, that really thrives to uh, strives to do this in entertainment. There's, you know, so I think you're, you're alluding to a name make and then on the board of Digital Diversity Network, and we're figuring out how to move forward there. There's it's about bringing diverse voices to the table, as you both alluded to, and then just giving opportunities. So a lot of it just, hey, let's, okay, we've, we're in these positions of authority. Let's share these, with, uh, share these opportunities with folks who are kind of in that same vein. Everyone from every race, gender, uh, ethnicity is sharp. They're smart, right? You have your smart ones. And you, I got some cousins who are maybe not as good. I'm, I'm kidding. But, you know, everyone has their sharp folks who are just kind of going to thrive. And then the other folks who are not going to uh, Let's give the ones who want to a shot. So I think a lot of these organizations just pre presenting opportunities, then, oh, then executives can see that, hey, these are phenomenal people here. Let's, let's hire from this pool. So that's what a lot of these groups are trying to do. So they, you know, they, and, and provide information vehicles. I was fortunate enough to attend this executive leadership diversity program where people from all uh, kind of executives, uh, and, but people of color. And it was amazing because we had different experiences in America, just all our 50 different experiences in America and sharing those with each other. And then we, I brought that back into my business and personal life, right? And as, as did all the folks, and I'm still in touch with a lot of those folks. And it's just amazing. Everyone's experience is different, but then you can create and provide opportunity and everyone can thrive once given that opportunity, right? And you can pursue them and give them. That's what it is. Um, it's, it, it just needs to continue to happen. We need to open the pipeline. Yeah, no, absolutely. Go ahead, Angela. Yeah, so I, I do agree. I, and I don't think pipelines are, are closed, so, so to speak. I think there yeah. just needs to be a bridge to um, awareness and opportunity. Yep. And so I say this because as someone who just went through the Ad Week New York Accelerator Program, that's something that you know, I, I was aware of because of being, you know, graduating from the Founder Institute Accelerator and staying on everyone's radar, right? And so they thought of me and I applied and I got in. Um, but not everyone has that awareness factor or that, that, that opportunity to be aware of what's going on. It's one of the reasons why I joined this organization called Goody Nation. 
So Goody Nation has this mission of helping founders of color, you know, get investment, get more opportunities. And so they've become this, again, uh, this kind of clearinghouse of, and, you know, investors, accelerator programs, pitch competitions, things like that. And I think we need more of that out there. Um, and we need more of these types of organizations out there uh, that are collating, so to speak, this, mm -hmm. this founder community so that these opportunities can be funneled to them and they are at least have a shot at applying. Whether they get it or not, it's it's all about them, to your point earlier, Atul, like, um, but at least they know. And I think that is that is where the gap really is, is mm -hmm. that these there's organizations that are not or opportunities that are not opposed at all to having founders apply. It's just how do we reach them? Right. And it's the same with influencer marketing in terms yeah. of reaching customer, you know, diverse customer bases. And that's where Newfluence stands. Like, how do we reach this? You know, maybe we want to reach Afro-Latinas. How do we reach them? Right. That's our community. We we um, provide, you know, influencers, creators that you know, share, you know, their multi-ethnicities, share who they are, their attributes, so that brands can and startups can connect with them and reach those audiences. I went on a tangent. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm going to go on another tangent. Let me go on another tangent. Oh, wait, like wait, wait, wait. I want to, I want to, I want to okay. ask Angela before you go, Atul, I want, to, okay. I want you, Angela, to just explain how the accelerators that you've gone through work, yeah. right? And how would one take advantage of them? Right. You've been through, you're a veteran now. Right. So from the person entrepreneur, the first entrepreneur who's who's considering it or going to apply, run through some of the, uh, you know, the dynamics. I think anyone who is going down the journey, going on the journey of building a startup needs to um, have a, a very frank conversation with him or herself, because it is not a, it is not the uh, straight line um, to getting where you need to be. So like that being said, I'm saying this because when you enter an accelerator program, the keyword accelerator, everything you're doing is at a super fast pace. And so going in with that mindset, it helps you tremendously because you do get challenged. And the great thing about accelerator programs, and especially with the Founder Institute, is that I was challenged and I really had to um, think about other perspectives in, in different ways. And that all, you know, was poured into my, into Newfluence. So that being said, how I'm able to get some of these opportunities or at least know about them is you know what one thing that the founder institute for example encourages is updates right like staying in touch cultivating your network and so that tends to be a challenge as well when we're talking about um you know founders you know the founders of color you know that community sometimes they just don't have access and so leveraging off of what you've learned in an accelerator is is i to me I think is like one of the most important takeaways that um, you can have because it's that network that you have access to getting on those radars helps to helps you to access more opportunities. So that's literally what happened 
um, with the uh, Adweek accelerator. And so go to answer your question about Adweek. So quantum marketing was the theme. And it's just looking at the fifth paradigm of, of marketing, where we're looking at all these connected devices and how we're reaching consumers through these connected devices, whether it's through influencer, whether all other ways. Um, but we had an opportunity to talk with leaders and learn from leaders in the marketing and advertising community. And so um, it was a one-day accelerator. It gave us, you know, we, we had almost like speed dating, so to speak. <laughs> where you get to connect and, and talk a little bit more, you get feedback. And, it, you know, to me, that was just such a rewarding experience. Not only that, the follow-up to really close the loop on it is that we um, ha or have the opportunity to, had the opportunity to connect with them afterwards and stay in touch. So I think that, you know, just going back to that point is that, you know, uh, putting yourself on radar, you know, leveraging anything that you learn from these accelerator programs, like really, really, if they say, you know, you have access to the community, access it, right? Keep everybody informed of what you're doing and then just keep pushing forward. I think, you know, that is the, that is uh, one of the, 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 I guess the best advice that I can give or the best insight into, um, into that journey. Yeah, no, that's, and just let me, let me sort of summarize because accelerators can be one day, could be uh, a dozen days, could be six weeks, could be 12 weeks, whatever this, whatever the, you know, acceleration phase or the, or the timing is, those are great tips, Angela, to sort of take advantage, network like crazy, and then follow up. Go ahead, Atul. Oh, just to culminate, uh, you know, People, when they're hiring or bringing, you know, they hire from the circles they're familiar with because there's a trust factor there, right? Um, all we, those circles, we just need to expand those circles, buy opportunities of what you just discussed and those other things. So even just very quickly, venture community, venture funding started in the 70s in Silicon Valley with, you know, a few individuals who are mostly white and a couple Japanese folks. And that's how I because they're tech friends. They said, hey, we're going to invest in our our friends who we trust, we know what they're doing, we know their work ethic, we'll just invest in them. And it just kind of kept expanding like that. So then you saw like certain types of folks getting a lot of the funding because they would just invest in their friends. Or then if you came out of Stanford or wherever, you would just invest in folks. Okay, Stanford has a pedigree. I trust what's coming out of there. I'll just invest that way. We are seeing opportunities now. It's expanding beyond that. The circles are expanding. So opportunities are coming along with it. That's all I want to say. Yeah, no, and you could get education from anywhere. Right. Yeah. Everything is free. I mean, it's essentially free in the intro. So there's no excuse. Beautiful. You don't have to go to Stanford anymore. Not, and you probably never had to. You could have realized success wherever you went, as long as you were proactive and, and really um, listened to advice and, and, you know, and got a little lucky. So it's, um, that's the reality. And that's, that's a, a billionaire's, a billionaire's daughter or son and a poor person's daughter or son should have access to the same information and they can change their life. Right. That's the internet. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Um, I just want to make sure we got this. Someone asked about the, the goody, goody nation. Is that what it was that you belong to? G O O D I E nation. Yes. nation. Okay. And then founders Institute Adweek accelerator. Okay, great. So why don't you share with us just one thing we should all know about the creator economy. Go ahead, Angela. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
curse all the time. No. <laughs> um, yeah. So one thing we should know. So one, it, it's it's growing, uh, and and if you're coming from the perspective of a brand, uh, it, creators and you want to work with a creator, creators have expectations in terms of mission alignment, right? So um, one of the things that uh, creators are looking for now more than ever are brands that understand who they are um, when they want to work with them. And so, uh, and it sounds like a no brainer, but you would be very surprised <laughs> how, <laughs> how this still comes up. We just did a survey on this and, uh, you know, with our community and it's still, you know, uh, like about 51% of our community is like, you know, the way brands approach us, they don't understand, you know, don't fully understand who we are and, and things like that. So I think to, in order to benefit from um, working with creators, uh, you know, if you're a brand, then definitely, you know, keep this in mind that that relationship should be um, looked at as something not transactional, but more long-term and mission aligned. Nice. Nice. I'm just going to jump. I'm going to double down on what I said earlier. So we're becoming, it's truly a global economy, right? And so just think by, you know, we're, we're driving, we're driving consumption here right now, 10 years from now, it's going to be changed. So A, that's going to provide us access. So cultural influences from all over the world, uh, us moving out, incoming as well. So just play in those lanes. And there are opportunities that provide, that's opening up access to capital and opportunity. Play in those lanes. That's great. Now, Angela, just can you dive into that a little more as far as what can be, what are the ranges of money that people can earn as being a micro influencer? Yeah, this is an interesting, it's always an interesting, (laughs) one thing that we're developing at Newfluence is a pay rate calculator because it varies. So one thing that my mission and just given what I've, I've learned throughout my years of experience working with the gamut, of, of creators is that there's always a negotiating point sometimes. Um, but like, you don't know if you don't understand what the average is in the market or understand your value. So our, and that's on both sides. Uh, so, so in terms of, I can give you a couple of examples. In terms of micro, let's say uh, a, a micro uh, level creator who is $50,000 I'm sorry, 55,000 followers, excuse me. Um, they may charge, you know, 500 for a post, right? Um, it all depends on their engagement or they charge, you know, a thousand for um, a video or 750 for a reel. Whereas you may get the same thing from someone who has 20,000 followers. Uh, and it all depends on, you know, their level of engagement, what they feel their content is and what the value that they bring to the table. The challenge that we have here and where it doesn't, you know, it tends to sometimes be skewed in terms of, um, you know, creators who are diverse is that when you don't know, you don't, you know, you could be, be getting paid less than, than what is traditionally the standard. So, um, this is one of the reasons why our pay rate calculator is, is there to help educate on both sides of the marketplace. You don't have to go, it doesn't have to be the Bible, but at least you have a range, a starting point for negotiation. 
and then you can go from there. And what are you seeing a tool uh, in your in your circles? Do you have any sense for for what's what people are getting paid? Uh, meaning for in the influencer marketing arena? Not at all. I want to know. Um, so I'm gonna. <laughs> Angela is the kind of. I don't really. So I, I wish I knew. Had relationships with people who are better marketers. So I, you, I mean, James, you're in the same boat. You're putting out a tremendous amount of great content, right? I'm trying to be in that space. That's why I took that adjunct professorship starting next year. So I want to continue in that space because I think there's stuff that we have to offer. I want to learn that because I want to get more and more information out there. And it'd be easier if you, hey, you're getting some sort of residual on it, right? And so I will be calling you, Angela. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd be getting too. <laughs> <laughs> we have a great we have a great whiskey hue podcast so uh everyone should listen to that by the way let's let's this has been a great conversation let's let's close it out with a, a saying or a poem ladies first angela go ahead phew <laughs> great uh so this one this quote really resonated with me it's by the author uh goes by the name of uh, aubrey graham if you know who that is. Um, sometimes it's the journey that teaches you a lot about the destination. Like it. And nice. For those who don't know who Aubrey Graham is, that's Drake. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Nice. Thank you. Uh, Tool, go ahead. You asked for one, so I'm going to give you two. Uh, that's how I roll. I'm sorry. So, um, so I'm going to, this is one I, I it resonates with me. Yesterday is not ours to recover, but tomorrow is ours to win or lose, right? So, frontier ahead of us. I'm going to give you one. So, when I, I told you, mentioned I was in the music industry for a while. So, I used to write music and sing on it and produce for a lot of art, urban artists and Bollywood films and a couple, a bunch of shows here on the major networks. One time, my wife and I, we were walking in Soho. Uh, and when Dean and DeLuca was still there, unfortunately, you know, RIP, but we were walking literally and I, I was, it's my only time I ever stalked someone. And it was, a, it was a pleasant and polite stalk. All right. She was humming a tune that I had produced and it was in a show, I think CSI New York or some show and she was humming it. So it was a Thursday or a Friday, I think. And, and it used to air on Wednesday nights, I believe. And she was humming a song and I, and I thought it was my song. So I just followed her and, and, and I, and then my wife, and my wife was with me, so I wasn't being weird. So, so, and, and we very clarified, but I never told her, it just made me feel amazing that someone was happy. She was going about her day, this, shopping for fruit, whatever she was doing, and she's going about her day. And the quote from that is, I was a big Brown Sugars, this film is about 20 years old now, Tay Diggs and Shana Lathan, uh, big fans of theirs. And it was just, it resonated with me because I knew a lot of the people involved with it from the music aspect. I, I, and he had this perfect, it was like, you are the perfect verse over a tight beat. That, that line has stayed with me forever. And it, I used to work on, that's, I had it listed when I was writing, producing music all the time and performing in the studio. So, um, and she was, she exemplified that in real life, that, that lady. Now, don't know who she is, but God bless you. <laughs> that's a great story. Until Angela, thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks for joining us. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please like it, leave a review and subscribe. See you soon.